You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. Hi, this is Tim Robertson, and this is also MyMac podcast number 244. Obviously, with WWDC just ending this week, we've got a lot to talk about. New Mac laptops, new iPhone, a new Mac OS X coming out. Why does this a lot to cover? So let's go ahead and jump right into the show. Thanks for downloading. Enjoy. And welcome to the MyMac Podcast. My name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the show, and I've got three guys in the podcast with me this week because I've got a lot of Apple news to cover. We've got Guy Searle. Hey, what's going on? we got Mark Rudd. Hey, hey. And we've got David Cohen. Good evening. So, guys, big week for Apple fanboys like yeah. us. I mean, you know, new Huge. hardware on iPhone, on laptops, preview of the OS coming up for both the Mac and the iPhone. Just a yep. lot of stuff going on. And uh, let's go ahead and start with, the I think, the big news, Snow Leopard. $29.00 shipped what do you think david cohen well i think it's a very smart move you contrast to uh, all the buzz that's been going around windows 7 on the microsoft side which is kind of supposed to be windows vista done right and it's a very similar sort of deal to snow leopard it's strip down the code get the performance right not add too many features clean up the interface um and uh, they're going to be charging you know full price for 15 or 20 different versions as they normally do contrast <laughs> that with apple which is, you know, there there aren't a whole pile of new developer features buried in there that's going to improve the performance of the machines. The thing's got a much lower footprint. It w- runs a lot faster. Uh, a few interface tweaks and twenty nine dollars. So effectively, it's no brainer for anybody who's running an Intel Mac. Mark Rudd. Yeah, and uh, David, wasn't it also the family pack is what forty nine? Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you stop and think for fifty bucks, you can you can load all your family computers up and and have this great uh, new application that uh, OS that's going to give you great performance. And really, to me, one of the big things about this new version, Snow Leopard, is that it really it, it it's it bodes well for the years to come because there's a lot of technologies built into it that as Apple begins to increase the performance of their hardware. They're all set up with it, with uh, with Grand Central and and all those types of well, things. Well, they rewrote so the Finder too. The, the Finder yeah. is fresh, spiffy, and new. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we've got we've got a lot of things to be howling about regarding the OS. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Here's a question: If you don't already have Leopard, can you buy Snow Leopard, Guy Searle? Oh yeah, you can. You can go ahead and buy Snow Leopard. So you can go from ten point four to ten point six, as long as you have an Intel Mac. Right, but I don't know. Can you at twenty nine dollars? No, 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 no. Uh, I, I, as I, as I recall, unless you already have Leopard ten point five, you can't go ahead and install ten point six at the twenty nine dollar price. You'd have to buy it at one twenty nine. Right, and then of course one ninety nine for the family pack. Okay, that that was kind of my understanding too. Is that what you guys thought, Mark? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that uh, it was noted. If it wasn't noted in the in the keynote itself, uh, there's been some subsequent information that's come out that yeah, if you're not already a Leopard 
user, then obviously you've got the standard upgrade fees. Yeah, and I think that's yep. fair, don't you, David? Well, yeah. I mean, otherwise you'd be, you know, everybody who bought Leopard to upgrade from Tiger would be kind of peeved that all of a sudden there was a, a, a much cheaper route to go to the latest version. I, I was so, actually surprised that Apple went the inexpensive route. Yeah, I was. I, I, there was no way I, w- I wanted to spend 129. I would have. But that's me. I'm a hardcore Mac guy, and I want Snow Leopard. I know everything it's going to do for me. But well, 64-bit goodness. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have up. I would have up. I would have paid the 129 for this update for well, sure. Well, I, I, I mean, think I think we all would have paid the 129. You know, we, none of us would have been happy about it. But uh, you know, honestly, as as the announcement was coming up, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be like. $49 for the single and 99 for the family, and, and that's not a bad price. And when he came out and said $29 for a single license, and of, and of course, you know, as be, being Mac guys and, and pretty much everybody knows that unless they change the way that they, they, they have their licensing set up, if you buy the single user license, you can go ahead and install it pretty much on as many Macs as yeah. you want. Now, I've always gone ahead and, and gotten the family packs just, just because, you know, f- actually, you know, f- for the price that they're asking for some of their software, their consumer software, including, you know, iLife and iWork, it, they, they're not asking that much. No, and, and I think I think their approach with the twenty nine dollar leopard uh, snow leopard upgrade, and also what they've done with the the laptop line, where they've increased specs and reduced prices. I think this is their response to all this fuss that has been around the netbooks. It's you know Apple's response is no, we're not going to produce four hundred five hundred dollar laptops, but what we are going to do is continue to pile very very good value into our higher end product line, line. right? Uh, and, and you know and and. And Microsoft can sit there and snark all they want about, you know, laptop hunters and cheap HP computers and everything. But actually, what we're doing is is we charge you a decent price, but you get a quality product. And I think that their whole message out of this uh, keynote at WWC was all about that. That was the subtext for me. So let's talk about the laptops. They moved, they basically moved the MacBook into the MacBook Pro. Right. So you, for the, for the MacBook Pro family now, you have a 13-inch that starts at eleven ninety nine, a fifteen inch that starts at sixteen ninety nine, and a seventeen inch which starts at twenty four ninety nine. I'm looking at these computers and you're getting a lot more machine at a lot better price, Mark Rudd. Oh, without question. And I think the thing about it is, it's wonderful that they reduced the price. It's wonderful that they added a number of the technologies into the line. One of the things I am most excited about is now with the 13-inch, once again, you can get FireWire. And, and to me, that's huge. Um, I, I think there's a sweet spot there. That that 13-inch, 2.53 gigahertz, it's got 4 gigs of RAM, 250 gigabyte hard drive. Of course, we can debate the SD card slot. I actually like that idea, being a digital camera user. Um, that's To me, that's a really sweet machine if you really want to go with the smaller footprint. I, I'm really impressed with Apple. I think you know people who, who shouted this whole idea of the Apple tax, they've got nothing to talk about now. Apple has really, I mean, let's face it, Apple was making money. They were selling units, not as much as they had, but more than most other people. And in the midst of all that, they did this. So I, I think I'm really proud of Apple for doing it. Guy Searle? Yeah, um... The, yeah, essentially, they, they they took like you said, they took the MacBooks and turned them into MacBook Pros. Well, only the aluminum ones, 
Right, right, right. Now you still have the is it nine ninety nine for the for yeah, the plastic one? Yeah, nine ninety nine. Yeah. Um, for most people, I think the 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 consumer MacBook is probably the way to go. It's a little bit cheaper, and you get most of the same technologies minus the SD card slot. I was kind of surprised that they took out the Express card slot because I know a lot of pro users do. I don't, but I know a lot of pro users do use that slot. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the reaction is going to be on that. I don't think there's you been know, a big adoption for the SD or the. Uh, I, I just don't. I never used mine on any of the laptops I, I've owned. You know, my, my reading of this, uh, you know, looking at what they did, they've introduced these, uh, you know, these these non-interchangeable batteries across the entire line now. Yep. They've cha- taken out the express card slot. There's a lot of noise that comes out of the community when these things happen. And, uh, you know, you see the debates on Twitter, and we'll, we'll get on later to some of the debates about iPhone and pricing and that sort of thing as well. But you know what? I think that's a very small representation. I think most people just really don't care. Um, I'm quite sure that Apple would not remove features from computers if they thought it would stop people from buying them. So they've obviously looked at the Express Card usage in um, in MacBook Pros, and, and probably the thing most people are sticking in there is a card reader so they can read SD cards. Um, I, I would imagine for people who use um, 3G modems like HSDPA modems or um, EVDO modems, there might be some people who have those in Express Card format, but you can get all this stuff in USB. So I'm sure, you know, they, they've basically said, well, well, this makes a, you know, a better deal. And, and it does allow them to have consistency across the MacBook Pro line rather than having, you know, one laptop with one feature and one with another, depending on size. Yep. Well, right. they also took the 17-inch and, you know, the same one they left the Express Card in, and they reduced the price of that one as well. So, I mean, it's not as expensive to get into the 17-inch if you want to have all of the higher-end features. So, you know, there's a little bit in this for everybody. And I, I really think that they uh, they thought it out well, and I really like the choices. Well, it was a good compromise. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the new MacBook Pros can all have up to 8 gigs of RAM. That's wow. pretty impressive for a portable computer, David. Uh, absolutely, and uh, you know we were just talking before the podcast started about how cheap this RAM is getting now. Um, I mean, it, for no, me, unless you buy it from Apple. Well, even even there though, you, you look at the base memory that's shipping with these machines now. The fifteen and the seventeen come with four gigs standard, which is you know nowadays is, is is probably as much as most people need unless they're doing really high end work. And even even the entry level MacBook Pro's got two gig, which which will service you perfectly fine. Absolutely. Um, so actually, you know, in in terms of what they're charging you as what comes with the base machines. They're actually giving you very good value there. Yes, they, they charge more for the upgrade pricing, and but but we all know that it's it's easy to change the memory on these machines, and, and you can go to any, you know, sources like uh, MacSales.com or anywhere like that and get you know, and get reasonably priced memory, so it's, it's not such a big deal. Well, let's go ahead okay. and drop our commercial in real quick while you're talking about it. I'm on uh, MacSales, other world computings, website right now and i'm looking at the brand new 15 inch macbook pro to upgrade it to eight gigs it comes in two four gig chips will cost you 637 dollars and 99 cents that's not cheap but (laughs) if you order that laptop from apple and you go with eight gigs it's add one thousand dollars so nice. if you get that fifth, that sixteen ninety nine laptop, and you want eight gigs instead of four, it's going to be two thousand six hundred and ninety nine dollars. 
That's crazy. But very few people in a laptop need eight gigs. Well, it depends. If well, you're gonna we keep say that, that now. Yeah, but if you're going to keep that laptop for a couple years, yeah, you don't, you don't the, know what you're going to need. But by in a couple of years, you won't be paying this sort of price. They, you know, the, the point is that's the very latest memory architecture, the highest speeds. So there's a premium on it at the moment. As it becomes more mass market, then the price is going to fall down. That's so, true. You know, hold on, hold on for a year or two, uh, and then you'll be, you know, you'll be paying less than a hundred dollars for those chips. Yeah. One, that's one of the true. things about the memory too to consider is that as a Leopard comes out, the Snow Leopard comes out. Um, with the new ability of the operating system to take advantage through Grand Central, through uh, the multi-cores, multi-threading. You know, memory, again, is going to be even more important. But I I agree, four four gigs is probably most that any of us are going to use. But I think the new systems with the new operating system will take more advantage of even more if you have it available. So the configurations go for the 13-inch for 11.99 you can get a 13 inch 2.26 gigahertz and really this 13 inch is taking the place of the uh 12 inch powerbook g4 right i mean yeah. that it this is trying to hit that sweet spot that, that's their goal i think yeah for the 14.99 13 inch you get 2.53 gigahertz if you move up to the 15 inch the base 15 inch is 2.53 gigahertz for sixteen ninety nine and for nineteen ninety nine you get a two point six six gigahertz. You go at the high end fifteen inch in twenty two ninety nine gets you a two point eight gigahertz, which is faster than well actually it's the same speed as the iMac that I'm using right now, which is kind of impressive. And if you want to spend uh, a couple hundred more bucks, two hundred bucks more, you can get the seventeen inch MacBook Pro. 2.8 gigahertz. That's not bad. Right. That's not a bad price. And, and both both the high end seven or the high end 15 and the 17 come with a 500 gig hard drive. Yes, but still only four gigs of RAM. Here, this is uh, surprising to me. What was the 17 inch before? Wasn't it like 29.99? Yeah, I think it was 29. Yep. 20, so yeah, so I mean, it's it's 2,500 bucks now. That's not bad. That's true. And the and the the, the, uh, the fifteen inch was was two thousand dollars, and that's now to down to seventeen hundred. And even the MacBook Air has seen a massive price drop. Oh yeah, big. The one with an SSD. Yeah, the what yeah, has MacBook, MacBook Air. Air? Yeah, it was sixteen ninety nine before, and now it's fourteen fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, and and, uh, and I think the uh, the one with the solid state drive seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, but it's gone. It was like two and a half thousand dollars before. It's dropped seven hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a huge. But you know what? I'm looking at the specs. And the MacBook Air is really underpowered. I mean, extremely underpowered. If you look at the base, let's let's even go with the the high-end MacBook Pro Air, MacBook Air, 2.13 gigahertz, 2 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of solid state, $17.99. Now go to the the MacBook, 2.13 gigahertz. Two gigs of RAM, 160 gig hard drive, 999. Well, one of the differences between the two um, is that on the air, what they've done is they've given you that six megabytes of L2 cache, like you get on the Pro, um, that gives you a little bit more, uh, you know, power. At least from that, I, I know for me, it's made a difference. I don't know. Eight hundred dollars is a lot of extra money for. A little bit of speed gain. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, it was you, before, it, but now it's good. Now, now, yeah. now the price. This is where the pricing should have been. Should have been from the, the beginning. Yeah. yeah, 
I just don't Basically, see. I, I don't. I don't really see the market for the MacBook Air. Now I know you oh, have yeah, one. But you Mark. don't. You don't travel though, do you? No, I don't. You, but even if, if tra- I did, I would still want my ports there. Well, yeah, but the point is, if you if you're carrying that thing everywhere you go, um, then you know the extra three hundred dollars over the thirteen inch MacBook Pro aluminium for the uh, the MacBook Air, which is you know substantially lighter, is going to make a difference to some people. And uh, you know, I go back to what I said when the when the Air first came out. Everybody I I know who's ever bought an Air absolutely loves it, and yep. when, you know says says you'll have to pry it from my cold dead hands before you take it off me. Well, you know, I looked at Marks in San Francisco this last January. And I don't know, for for everything that you have to sacrifice for, realistically, not that, I mean, the, the backpack and the stuff that you put in there anyways, I don't think the savings is worth it as far as weight goes. I, you, you're not going to convince me to get one because I travel a lot just because it's going to weigh two pounds less total. Well, let me just say now, what's, this. What's, what's the battery life like as compared to a, a regular Apple laptop? Uh, the battery life, uh, I've, I've got the brand new 13-inch uh, uh, white that they just came out with. And, of course, I have a Pro, and, and uh, you know, so I, I'm pretty familiar with all of them. And the Air has just as much battery life. I mean, everything is comparable. Um, I was impressed with the battery life. But the thing for me, Tim, that really made the Air, and, again, it was overpriced. I think it's a sweet spot now. I think they're probably going to sell quite a few more of them now. But um, it, that weight made a huge difference because by just bringing a, a, a USB hub, I was able to do everything I needed to do. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I, didn't, I didn't notice any problems in the, in the performance of it in the ability to do all the things that I And I do Photoshop and, and audio editing and, and even video editing as well. So, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's underpowered, but I've never noticed it or known it to be underpowered. Yeah. And at the same time, remember, you know, I, I just ended up buying two Mac Minis very recently, and they were both two gigahertz uh, Intel Core 2 Duos, and I was very pleasantly surprised by how snappy they were. And it's the and it's the NVIDIA graphics that makes a huge difference, I think, if you want my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I just see it as... Uh... Luxury. I, I, yeah, I just, I just don't it's, see. Well, it. Yeah, it is. But the thing is, it's there in the lineup for the people who want an ultra portable. Uh, for everyone else, there's a 13-inch MacBook Pro that's got the same, you know, m- most of the same features and the, uh, uh, you know, the aluminium case that the uh, the rest of the line does. So, uh, you know, there's something that. The, I mean, this is what looking at all of these machines now in front of me on on the Apple page. I mean, they really have something for everybody. They've got the really? cheap Absolutely. one. They've got they've got the Pro one. They've got the big Pro one. They've got the biggest Pro one. They've got an ultra portable one. I mean, you know, they, the lineup is complete. I mean, it's pretty good. So the uh, official death knell of PowerPC Power is PC. here. Yep. Yeah, it's here. Ten point seven. Uh, what is it? Ten point six will not run on PowerPC machines. Uh, yep. Is anybody here surprised by that? Not at all. No, no really. I, they, I, they, had, they had to. They had to finally make these choices. It's just like going to OS ten. There, 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 there had to be an end of life in order for them to do some of the things on their roadmap that they wanted to accomplish. And from this standpoint, being able to take full advantage of the performance technologies that are available to them now through the hardware and now through the software. Just not having to, to repeat your work on more than one piece of architecture, I think, is a yeah. big deal. And exactly. I, I would also say, when was the last PowerPC sold? What, maybe three years ago? Three years ago. 2005, wasn't it? Wasn't that the last release date for the PowerPC? Might have been. So it's been so three, three, four three. years ago. Um, 
And I think everyone saw the writing on the wall long before the last PowerPC was sold. So sure. I don't think that anybody that has a PowerPC is pulling their hair out and screaming, why, why, why to the heavens at this point? Because, I mean, it was expected. Apple's going to leave that architecture behind. And, if and, and Leopard's a good operating system, too. I mean, they'll, they'll continue to be able to use Leopard. You oh, know? yeah. It's not like those machines become obsolete. Every, you know, the, the old saying in computer technology was, you buy a machine and it's obsolete the day you take it home. That's BS. You know, there's I know people that are still using um, G5 iMacs just fine and having no problems, and they're completely happy with the speed and and everything it does. And exactly. you know, I've got a I've got a funny story about that. Well, go for it. Okay, um, last weekend I went to Ohio. To a friend of mine's fiftieth birthday party. His wife threw him a surprise party. And because it was his fiftieth birthday party, I decided I was going to go you know go a little bit above and beyond, and I got him a uh, eight gig. Uh, iPod Nano that was self, you know, inscribed and all that, and I gave it to him, and and he was like, "Well, what do I do with it?" You know, he's a PC guy, <laughs> and I said, "Well, don't worry about it. We'll set your computer up and and all this, you know, no problem." And I go look at his computer; he's running Windows ninety eight. Oh goodness sakes! And this is the second time that I've done this to this guy. When he got married, I got him a DVD player, and he ended up having to buy a new TV because his old TV only had an F connector. Uh, now nice I get friend. him. Now I get him an iPod, and he has to buy a computer to use it. Nice. <laughs> oh my God. Guy Searle's gifts, the gifts that keep on giving. <laughs> they keep on taking. taking out of your wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, Sorry, Dave. Yeah, thanks for the 200 or well, well that was probably a $300 present. Well, um, 150 I think. Okay, let's say, let's say 200 200 bucks. Now i got to go out and spend another 1000 <laughs> to, to even use a damn thing. Uh, or he could buy, buy a mini. Yeah, that's true, too. I, I, I've already bought two. I think that's that's about my limit for minis. No, he, no I mean him. He's, he's he could PC buy a mini. Oh, he could, but he won't. Well, you know, if he's still running Windows 98, he's not a PC guy. He's barely anything. Well, he uses, you know, his, his main thing is he uses uh, computers all day at work and he doesn't really have much use for them at home. So, you know... He, so he just Mac, didn't see any upgrade. Right. Well, that's because he's never used a Mac. If if someone plopped a Mac Mini down on his desk, although you'd have to get him another mouse, keyboard, and uh, monitor, monitor because the stuff yeah. that came back out when Windows 98 <laughs> was released isn't compatible. No. Um, he would see the use for it, especially if he started messing with iTunes and all that. But yeah, well, he watched me do. He watched me use iMovie because um, I did his 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 wife and his vacation video when he went to Alaska. So he liked it. Yeah, yeah, he loved it. But he's still not going to buy a Mac. He's, the other just... uh, two big stories, of course. Number one, we get yet another look at iPhone software 3.0 update coming out in a week. Yep, yeah. uh, a lot of good stuff in there, David Cohen. Yeah, I, I, obviously the release of new hardware kind of overshadowed this, but I, for me, the big story about iPhone is is the uh, is the new operating system because it works on every iPhone that's ever been shipped. So you know that's millions of devices get effectively a, you know a brand new phone with brand new features for nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, that's the big story. It's bigger than the hardware and bigger than the um, you know the upgrades to to the actual hand units. It's the, it's the fact that you know you can roll that out on your on your uh, you know your first gen iPhone that you bought two years ago, 
um, and you'll get all the same, the majority of the features, uh, you know, a good 80% of the features that we get on the, on the latest handsets. And for me, that's, that's, again, fantastic deal and very different for the cell phone industry where normally, you know, if you need new features, you have to trade in your handset Buy for a new, new phone. one. Yeah, right. exactly. Or, I don't know, features don't really exist in the standard cell phone market. It's whatever comes with the phone, and that's you're just happy with that. And whatever yeah, the carrier but, lets you use. Exactly. But if you, even, even if you have Windows Mobile or BlackBerry, you want the latest version, you've got to go out and buy a new handset. And, of course, the uh, new hardware for the iPhone is the iPhone 3GS. And I, I think that finally made the jump to where a lot of people were waiting, including our own Guy Searle. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, Guy. I went ahead and, and ordered the 32 gig model, and and you know, and I've said this before in the podcast that that's that's kind of what I was waiting for for there to be more storage. So I ran out of excuses. I, I kept running out of space on my uh, first gen iPhone 8 gigs, which I spent 5.99 for. Um, but but you're not bitter. No, I'm not bitter. <laughs> and no, I'm not because I love the I love this phone, and it's in still perfect that's the condition. Cost of being an early adopter, it is. And I knew it would come down, but I didn't realize it was going to happen that fast and that significantly. But still, uh, the new iPhone, Apple's not releasing specs, but uh, T-Mobile in the Netherlands did. It's yeah. got a 600 megahertz processor, so it's basically a Xbox at this point. <laughs> it's got 256 megabytes of RAM. Now, doesn't it have an NVIDIA graphics chip as well? Um. Yeah, that's VR. right, PowerVR. Yes. SGX. It's the new PowerVR Power SGX chip which they've just designed, which is, I mean, really, if you stop and think about it, it's like placing a, a, a NVIDIA chip in there. It's got all different types of new shaders and pipelines, and it's really an awesome technology. What this will no, basically think, yeah. do is allow game developers for the iPhone to make much more sophisticated-looking games, but the problem is you're going to start segmenting the market. If you have yeah, just a 3G or a first, there's going to be games out there that you're not going to be able to run. But you know what? What's good about that is that um, you know if you've got a if you've got a 3G, um, yeah, it's going to take a few months for developers to start taking advantage of that extra yep. architecture and and bringing out software that's 3GS specific. Um, and you know, in six months' time, those of us who bought um, a 3G on on the first day of release will be out of their 18 month contracts, and it'll be a lot easier to consider upgrading then. So um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're kind of stuck in a technological ghetto if you if you're not, can't upgrade to the new phone just yet because it's going to take a while to ramp up to that. Well, let's talk and, about and that. Who, that, that for, pe- for the people that bought the the iPhone 3G, they uh, if, if they want to upgrade, they're going to have to pay full price for the device. Yeah, yeah. Only if they and want to upgrade the day it comes out. That's right. right. Bill Palmer and, and has have... a really great article up on MyMac.com about this. And yeah, he, but, he but Bill, sees, Bill is... Bill is. I was watching him on Twitter, and he kind of. Lost, I think he lost the plot on this. Yeah. You know, he he kind of you know was raving and ranting that it was A and T and T were kicking their customers down, and Apple were kissing their customers down. He couldn't believe people were being treated so badly, and um, you know nobody puts a gun to your head and makes you buy right. a cell phone. <laughs> and and you know when yeah. you do buy a cell phone and you sign a contract, that's a commitment. Right. You commit to the carrier, and they commit something to you, and that's the way it works. I have no sympathy for anybody who's whining that they can't upgrade their iPhone for for the same price as a new customer today because you bought into a contract, you know, and right. that's what contracts are about. And if you didn't so, want to buy into the contract, you could have paid full price for the iPhone 3G exactly. when it came out. 
Exactly, and you can do that today. In fact, yep. you know, on 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 O two's website, it actually says that here in the UK, um, it says um, it lays out the options for upgrading a phone. If you have the iPhone three G, you want to go to three GS, and it does suggest the one thing you might want to do is buy an unlock three GS um, and move your SIM over to that from your three G, and then give your three G on a pay with a pay as you go SIM to a family member. Um, and Smart. Now that's a that's a perfectly acceptable way of doing it. Yep. I do now, have some problem. I do have some problems with O2's pricing in that they're kind of adopting a pounds for dollars model. So, yeah. so you guys are going uh, to pay t- even more over there. Yeah, but That's it's uh, it's yeah. The the US price yeah. for the 16 gig 3GS is 199 with not dollars on the new contract, and here in the UK it's 185 pounds, which is about 300 dollars at today's exchange rate. Yeah, that's so not fair. There's a bit of gouging going on there, but um, just a little bit. <laughs> You know, do. now it's time for me to, to have a small little rant. I decided that uh, I am going to upgrade to a 3GS. I have a first-gen iPhone, so guess what? I get the upgraded price at, you know, 299 because I am getting the 32 gigs. So, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, um, our just-finished junior high starting high school next year, she bought a new cell phone. Well, technically, I bought it. And it's right. because she did really, really well this year in school, and she's been really helpful around the house, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, we decided we were going to let her get a new cell phone. So we went up, and she had one in mind. I can't tell you what it was. It's some brand I've never heard of. And it's just, I mean, it flips up, and it flips sideways, and she loves it because it's really good for texting and blah, blah, blah. Transformers. Yeah. And, you know, I, I looked at it for all the two minutes and just thought, it's a piece of crap. But I'm used to an iPhone. So she got that phone, and ever since, it keeps giving her this error message, please insert SIM card. So I went up to AT&T today with that phone and with the idea that I'm going to buy the new iPhone and just pick it up next Friday when it comes out. And uh, I even called ahead and talked to someone in the store, and they said, yeah, you could do that. What we're going to do is we're going to open two hours early for those who prepay for a new iPhone so you don't have to wait in line or anything. So I was like, okay, that's really cool. So I went up there. They uh, swapped out the SIM card. Her old SIM card was slightly thinner than the new ones. So they uh, gave her so a new SIM. So it must make it good contact. Right. So they just put a new SIM card in there. And if this doesn't fix it, <laughs> we'll be back. So they put a new SIM card in. She's happy. I actually paid my monthly bill. And uh, then he rang me up for the new iPhone. So I pull out my wallet. He says this with tax, it's 316 something. So I pull out $320, three $100 bills and a 20 out of my wallet. He goes, Oh, we can only take credit card. Really? I said, uh, no, I'm paying cash. I don't want to put this on a credit card. I don't want to pay 30% interest on a phone. And he goes, well, we can't pre-order it without a credit card. We, we can't, t- we take, we can't take cash is what he said. And I said, well, wait a second. Doesn't it doesn't it say on the bill good for all debts, public <laughs> yeah. and private? So I, I told him, I said, uh, you don't take cash, and he says no. And I said, then how did I just pay my bill in cash to you? And he just kind of looked at me. And he goes, well, when you're pre-ordering this phone, you have to use a credit card. I said, I don't want to use a credit card. I'm not going to use a credit card. I have cash in hand, and I want to pre-order this phone. As you told me, I could do on the telephone. I'm not a new customer. I'm an existing customer. 
Yeah, uh, if you if you if you walked in through the door and they never heard of you, I can understand them wanting credit cards to try and make sure that they can tie down your account. But if you're a paying customer, yeah, you, know, you already you already have several accounts with them. I mean, what? A- I've got I've got four accounts with them, and so I said uh, finally I said, well then I guess I'm not buying an iPhone from you guys, am I? And I walked out of the store, so I don't have one on pre order because AT and T literally refused to take my money. Now, did they say they would take the cash the nope. day of? No, he didn't say anything. He just said that they needed a credit card. Hmm. I, I am dumbfounded by this. I, this is the height of stupidity. This is a company who actually does not care a whit about their customers. Now, and you know, I, it's, it's fashionable to bash big companies and stuff. But this is firsthand experience of a company that won't take my money. I'm handing it to them. Here's my money. I want to pay for this item. And well, you know refuse. why they do this. There's no reason why they do this. They're, they're doing it to prevent people from reselling the phones. Well, you have to sign a contract. And if you break the contract, there's a fee associated with that. If I walk into AT&T as a brand new customer and get some cheap cell phone, then I don't have to give them a credit card. Right. And it would be different if the day of you walked in with cash and bottom in hand but this is pre-ordering it so it's not like you're going to go sell it anyways you can't you don't even have it in your hands exactly and you know i i am just dumbfounded but it's this sort of inflexibility is the kind of thing that I mean, AT and T did not come out well at the keynote. Oh, no, no, no. no. Oh, there's, there's features built into the phone that they won't support, and we don't know when they're going to support. Well, they're, they, not, you know, they're not saying it, the reason that they're not saying that they're going to support the MMS and the tethering yeah. is because they want to charge an arm and a leg for okay. both of those features. I guarantee you the tethering is going to be like sixty dollars a month, and they're going to cap it at like five gigs. And MMS, they're probably going to charge like twenty-five or thirty bucks a month extra, and they didn't want that bad publicity the day that they launched the iPhone. What they're hoping is that a month or two down the road, when all this stuff is kind of settled down, that's when they'll come out with the pricing, and no one will bark bulk that much. And I've got news for them: I'm going to bark like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and and the other thing as well, one at a time, guys. David. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense from Apple's perspective for them to be building new features in the phone. The carriers going, okay, yeah, well, we'll get around to that sometime during the summer. You know, I mean, that is not that is not participating in a in a two way relationship, is it? Um, and I can't imagine that Apple are particularly thrilled about AT and T's attitude to that, whatever the reason might be. Um, and um, you know, I, I think it just. I don't know whether AT and T are. are, are see the writing on the wall that other, they're going to lose their exclusivity at some point and they're just saying well you know we're not we're not going to uh, be as enthusiastic as we were before or whether they just can't roll out these features into the network quick enough uh, there's other phones that support both of these features on the AT&T network anybody that says it's well they just can't roll them out that quick is that's full of crap right. yes so, it's already uh, on I mean, their network well, I'm not. I'm not as familiar with the uh, U.S. market. Well, in that case, you know, uh, I, I think it's just pretty poor, and uh, I, I fully expect Apple to uh, kick them into touch as soon as they can. Let's be honest. I AT&T think- doesn't have any advantage over any of the other cell phone companies in the United States, except for the iPhone. That's the one thing that they've had for two years now that's kicking everyone's butt. Everybody wants an iPhone. And if you live in the United States, the only place you can get it is AT&T. So they've had that huge advantage, and they've taken advantage of that. And I don't blame them because you know, it's their, that's their business. That's what they want to do. But well, two years later, 
you're going to start ticking off Apple, your exactly. bread and butter. I mean, that is just what do they got in the pipeline that we don't know about that they're not going to need Apple? You know what <laughs> I mean? They're, exactly nothing. And I think, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot, especially when they do this crap just oh, two weeks after the the uh, Palm Pre comes out on Verizon. Not very intelligent at all on AT&T's part. I think you can also tell in in the actual keynote, if you watched it, you could see Apple making some little snide remarks and the crowd groaning when they basically made the statements that these tethering and MMS would be available. There's a big chart that showed all, all of the carriers where it would be available. Of course, and AT&T lo and behold, AT&T there. wasn't there. So I think Apple understands, and it may be exactly what you said, that, that they understand the writing is on the wall because there, there is a lot of buzz around the fact that there there is a pending deal with Apple and Verizon. And, uh, you know, I think you're going to find a lot of people jumping ship if that happens. Well, I I'm suspect, going to be one I, of them as well. Yeah, uh, but I suspect as well with, uh, with AT&T, there's probably some, you know, executive complacency there. They're used to calling the shots to their customers and I don't think um, I think they may well have underestimated with this and also the you know the, the backlash that they have received about how they're dealing with subsidized pricing and, and all of that I think they probably underestimated how vociferously people might complain about some of these things well especially now because they've got a whole different user base they've got these uh, very vocal computer guys that are very well versed on social networking and they're not just going to take it. They're going to stand up and say, no, this isn't right. And uh, they're going to complain about it. And I think it, it only hurts AT&T. They're, they're so living in the 1990s still. I mean, it's just yeah, but, amazing. But I think that's endemic of a lot of American corporations, to be honest. I mean, I agree. What's, what's been going on with, with, with GM and everything as well is, is it's the same sort of problem. It's assuming that they can, you know, just... Uh, deliver poor quality service and value to their customers and people will just suck it up. And you know what? They don't anymore. No. And, and you know, it's it's refreshing when I watch. What's that show over there um, in the UK? It's on the BBC where the three guys do crazy stuff in cars. Top Gear. Top Gear. Top I'm, gear. I'm watching yeah. that one day and he's got a Chevy truck or maybe it was a Ford truck. And he's driving around uh, England. And then, of course, there's... Not a lot of clearance on some of the roads where you guys live. Yeah. And this this big truck is just barely making it. Yeah, it was the Hummer, I think, he was driving, wasn't um, it? No, it was a pickup truck. All oh, right. And, uh, you know, he's he's giving us some compliments and stuff. So they have this shot of him standing in front of the truck. So he says, so what do I think about it? It's rubbish. <laughs> and then he started talking about just the poor quality of the truck, where the yeah. plastic pieces don't even line up on the dash. Yeah. And there's our unions for you. And I know a lot of people that are listening to this may be union members. And I'm sorry, but uh, there you go. There, There's where your collective bargaining agreement gets you. Poor quality uh, trucks that don't compare on any level with what they're making overseas. It, it's ridiculous. And now when GM goes bankrupt, everyone's like, oh, well, who, who saw this coming? I don't know. Maybe after 9-11... When a lot of the foreign car companies started making cars that are much better on fuel economy because they saw it was coming down the road, uh, and Apple is doing what, or Apple, GM is doing what, buying Hummer, making them bigger, less fuel efficient? Hmm, let me think. Yeah. I mean, the, the writing was on the wall, and they just pretended that they live in a bubble. 
So it'd be interesting to see whether um, you know the market does open up for the iPhone and other carriers are, are involved. Exactly what happens to AT and T? All it's going to uh, take and, is and, one carrier who has a national reach to do business the way Apple does business. We're going to put the customer first. We're still going to profit. We're going to profit handsomely, but we're not going to rape the customer on this. And it's just going to take one customer or one company to do that, and everyone's going to flock to them. Well, we we know that AT&T has been vigorously trying to negotiate an extension to their 2010 expiration for their It's not going to happen at this point. And, I mean, and, they and the thing that. about this, it's, it, because there's been no evidence of that in the public, I got a hunch Apple is just holding their card and just saying, you know what, we're going to let it run, and we've got some other stuff coming up. So all this may be playing into why AT&T is slowing their, their uh, rollout of these features, but I think they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, they should have bent over backwards to make Apple happy to keep that exclusive contract with Apple for the iPhone because it's the only ace that they got in their hand. Exactly. So I think that we're going to wrap this show up. We've got uh, uh, a lot of stuff to digest, I think. you know, there, Snow Leopard is, to me, the, the biggest news, and I'm looking forward to that the most. Yes, I'm looking forward to my new 32-gig iPhone that I'm going to have to go to an Apple store and give them my money because I'm really ticked off at AT&T at this point. Um, but it's still just the iPhone. It, it's really, there's some new features and stuff like that, but it, it's still just the iPhone. I'm really looking forward to the next version of the Mac OS software because the operating system, because uh, number one, the finder really needed to be rewritten. Um, it's still running on 2000 code well, that was released in 2000. So really, you know, 1998, 1999, uh, it needed to be rewritten, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, 64-bit, things are just going to be snappier, faster. I- is it just me, or is it ironic that when Apple releases an OS update, guys, that your machines actually seem fresher and newer and they run faster? Whereas with Microsoft, they release something and it slows your computer down to a crawl. Yep. I mean, when Microsoft comes out with a new OS, everyone goes, well, I guess I have to buy a new computer now to be able to run the new OS. People don't say that with the Mac for the most part. Power uh-huh. PC users are, but yeah. You know, yeah, but I, even there, I mean, I've got a I've got a, an old Mac Mini G4 here that that's going up on eBay in a couple of weeks. Um, I, I upgraded my mother-in-law's machine to an Intel Mac Mini, um, and with a, with it cracking this open and putting some memory in it, it'll run Leopard and it'll run Leopard perfectly well. Um, so you know that and that's a, that's a that's a 4 year old machine so you, even with a with a with a G4 machine i mean you know leopard is still a very good operating system and you can you know you can still run that on a on a power pc so it's not like power pcs just have to be trashed straight away right um so you're still getting you're still getting very good value there absolutely absolutely but the prom- but the promise of snow leopard really is what we all looked forward to really with uh Intel and the dual core processors. It's, it's finally going to be able to take advantage of those technologies that have been there for a while and have been great, but now the software is really catching up with it, so it's really exciting. You know, before we do wrap the show, I do want to mention a few things. We've got some really good reviews up at MyMac.com right now. In fact, one of them uh, was posted on the 7th of this month from one of our brand new writers, Scott Wisely, and he did a review of Mailplane. John Amorowski did the UltraDock 4 combo adapter. Uh, really good if you're a very heavy tech guy. <laughs> uh, Sam Negri, how do you spell it? N-E-G-R-I, Negri? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, sounds right to me. Yeah. 
He did a, a case for a 13-inch MacBook. John also did a Skull Candy audio pack review. There's a picture of me in that review, which I still posted it, but I wasn't happy because I looked like a, a jerk in it. <laughs> and I did a review, and Guy Searle actually sent me an email on this. I did a review of uh, the Apricorn iPod upgrade kit. Did you guys take a look at that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. it's uh, So this company sends me an email. It's a press thing saying, hey, go watch this video. It's how you update your iPod. And I sent an email back. I said, do you want us to review this? And she wrote back, yes. Where can <laughs> we send it? So I, I give my address, and I got it in the day of uh, the WWDC keynote. So I'm actually following the keynote on the computer as I'm upgrading my iPod. Now, I've never taken apart an iPod before. Have you guys ever taken apart your iPod? No. no. Now, see, if it's working, I don't want to take it apart. And if it's broken, I'm just going to buy a new one. But I don't know. I just felt weird about taking apart this iPod. Now, I've got a, a, a 60 gig black iPod, uh, fifth generation, and it works great. The battery still lasts a long time. I don't use it hardly ever because, obviously, I have an iPhone. And my music collection continues to grow, so I can't put all my music on my full-size iPod anymore. I've got, like, I don't know, 90 gigs worth of uh, music now. Maybe a little less. But it won't fit on my iPod. And that's what I use my iPod for. When I'm going to go on a long trip, I'll take that. So I'll have more. I have access to more of my music. Right. But I couldn't put it all on there anymore. So it's you're back to hunting and pecking and what do I want to put on. And I hate that. So I get this kit in the mail and I updated it. And it comes with a 240 gigabyte hard drive. Wow. Huge. <laughs> And a, a brand new 850 mAh battery, so it's going to last come, longer. What comes standard with uh, with that model of iPod that you have? Um, I don't remember. I think it's only a 600, but I could be mistaken. It might be a 700. But my, I didn't replace the battery uh, full time. I put it in and tested it, and then I took it back out because the old one worked fine. And I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to leave the old battery in now, and, and when I have problems, then I'll put the new one in. But I didn't see Makes the point. Sense. Yeah, I didn't see. I figured it's a brand new battery. I might as well keep it brand new until I need it. So I took it back out and put the old one back in. But uh, it wasn't a very painful process. Now, it comes with a CD with the instructions on how to do it. And it was a fabulous video that you watch. And it's an extreme close-up. They show you exactly how to do it. Um, did, did they use the tools that they included? They the did. They did. And that was the one problem that I had is these little plastic tools just didn't work they just they're very sharp on the edges to let you get into the little groove on the ipod and kind of pry it open it just bent and tore it up so i ended up using uh, a, a really small screwdriver metal screwdriver that i had and i was very careful because i did not want to scratch up my ipod and i didn't but that worked fine but the tools that they supplied just they weren't very good at all um, but still, I mean, I have an iPod now that has 240 gigs. Wow. I, I can put my music collection on there twice over and then a, again, a half. I mean, it's really, really impressive. I gave it a four out of five and it's not cheap. It's 269 bucks. But if you go out and buy a brand new iPod classic, it only comes with 120, what, 128 gig hard drive. Right, and it's two forty nine. I think. Yeah, so for an extra tw- twenty bucks, you can upgrade your older iPod for a brand new battery and a hard drive that's twice the size. I think it's worth it. I really do. If you use your iPod a lot, uh, I don't. I use, I use mine a lot, but of course that could change very soon. Yeah, you're going to have a thirty two gig iPhone, and right, 
and that was the other thing for me. If I was going to, if my iPod just died, I probably wouldn't fix it at this point because my next iPhone is going to be 32 gigs. And let's be honest, that's, that's, that's more than enough for me, but still 240 gigs. in My iPod is really impressive guys. I mean, yeah, I can put a, a ton of pictures on there, all my music, uh, a bunch of videos, and it's, it, you know, if I'm going to go, for instance, next February to the Macworld Expo, I've got all my stuff right there with me. It's great. Literally. Literally. So, <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention that before we wrap the show. Uh, next week, we're going to have more of a community show. This is something that we're going to start doing we would like to get the people who listen to the show involved in the show, bring you on the show and talk to you. So next week, uh, we're hoping to get Jim Felder. He's one of the listeners of the show and, uh, chat with him. I, I, you know, guys, I just want to have more of a community aspect to the show. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, it's, I don't want this to be something that you listen to. It's these tech mavens and, you know, you listen to their opinions and then you move on to the next show. I want this to be a, a show that, people could participate in for and, the people by the people. Yeah. So we do have some email that I wanted to read on this show, but we're going to save that for the next show. Um, so listen to uh, next week's show. Hopefully we'll get Jim Felder on and we'll get to the, uh, feedback that we've got. And we do want to get to the feedback that we have up in the iTunes store. So if you haven't left feedback for us yet, we'd appreciate it if you go up to I <clears throat> iTunes and, uh, our show and just write a little review and, and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. And we really love feedback. Send it to feedback at mymac.com and we will read them if appropriately right here on the show. So for Mark guy and David, I'm Tim and we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading and listening to the mymac.com podcast. 